Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today, we are jumping in with both feet and taking a careful look at the first part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to just start with reading the text. But as to the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail comes upon a woman with child, and there will be no escape. But you are not in darkness, brethren, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we wake or sleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This entire passage is designed to give encouragement to those early Catholics trying to figure out when will Jesus return. And the conclusion of this long paragraph, starting chapter 5, is encouragement. Therefore, encourage one another with what St. Paul wrote. Now, it's everybody's desire to know exactly when Jesus uh, will return. And St. Paul says there are two different, very distinct groups when Jesus comes back. You know, in the day in which we live, everything's been kind of muddled where everybody goes to heaven. No matter how you lived your life or what religion you believe in, everybody's going to heaven. Everybody's going to be happy at the end of time when God comes back. That's not exactly the case. In verse 3, St. Paul says when people think everything's fine, they're going to have the shock of their lives. Unbelievers will be just shocked to the very core of their being when Christ comes back. But in contrast, in verse 4, the very next verse, St. Paul is saying that the second coming should not be a surprise to believers. Why is that? Well, He says they're basically spiritually awake. They're children of the day. In other words, they see and they have perception. How is that? Well, in the scripture, to walk in the light means the whole course of your life is following the Lord. In fact, the earliest name for Christians we find in the book of Acts is followers of the way. And we think, well, maybe Christianity is a few theological thoughts. 
Uh, I go to CCD or attend a catechism class. They tell me what to believe. I say I believe it. I'm in. And no matter how I live, no matter what I do Monday through Saturday night, as long as I show up in mass fairly regular basis, I'm good to go. Well, no, that's not Christianity. That's not Catholicism. Catholicism is the way, your whole course of your life. And those who aren't following the way of the Lord are going to be caught. Um, And so Jesus exhorts us in the Gospels, as well as St. Paul exhorts us in 1 Thessalonians 5, to be sober. Why? Having this sober outlook, you are able to have the spiritual perception. So he says, let us not sleep. He doesn't mean he doesn't want you to have a good night's sleep. It means don't be spiritually numb. Don't be unaware of the situation you're living in. Let us keep awake and be sober. And then in the next verse, he says, those who get drunk at night, but that's not you, be sober. So if you find two verses of the Bible, one after another says, be sober, be sober, in the context of being alert, knowing when the second coming is going to happen, well, it's maybe a good idea to be sober. And let me just step on some toes here for a minute. Uh, I'm a convert to the Catholic faith, and certain circles that I was a part of, not all the time, but certain circles that I was a part of as a Protestant were very much against all forms of alcohol consumption, which is not in the Bible, but that's just there. Okay, I think that's a little off balance. Um, you know, the Bible even says that God provided wine to uh, make joy for the heart of man and such like that. But the Bible's also very clear that we're not to get drunk. And you might look and kind of laugh at those who say, you know, we, we can't have any kind of wine because the Bible says that and the Bible doesn't say that. And so we proceed to think it's quite okay to get drunk often. I quite honestly have seen too much drunkenness in Catholic circles making a little joke out of it. It isn't a joke. It's a mortal sin, which means you go to hell for all eternity unless you repent. You have to go to confession for that, and you don't live a life of drunkenness. What happens? You, you, you get caught up in it, and you start living for pleasure rather than living for truth and living for God, and as a result, you get into a spiritual stupor. You come under the influence of basically getting lost in the world. You lose your alertness, and you then, if you're following that course, can be just totally shocked when Christ comes back and you're kind of living as part of the wrong team. Now, it's very interesting, as I've been studying for Luke 21 Radio, First Thessalonians, I believe these verses, verse 6, 7, and 8, about being sober, are perhaps some of the best verses in the whole Bible against using pot. What? There's nowhere in the Bible that says, thou shalt not smoke marijuana. That's absolutely true. What St. Paul is saying is that you want to have your spiritual faculties on alert. That's the Christian life. That's part of walking with the Lord. And what is it if you're a frequent user of pot? Well, you're a pothead you're stoned. (laughs) 
that's the dead opposite of what St. Paul is saying, being children of the day, be alert, be awake, don't be spiritually asleep. And you know, pot stays in your system, bringing you under the influence far longer than alcohol does. The whole idea is not to just lose yourself. Listen to Jesus saying basically the same thing as St. Paul is saying here in 1 Thessalonians 5. This is from Luke 21, verses 34, 35. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, that that day come upon you suddenly like a snare, for it will come upon all who dwell upon the face of the whole earth, but watch at all times. Now, unlike many of you, I have actually had the occasion of learning how to set a snare. As I think I've mentioned in an earlier broadcast, I'm raising sheep here for the past couple of years, and coyotes are a major problem. And coyotes are very smart. They are so keen. For instance, they can go into a field of sheep, and if there's a guard dog in that pasture, the coyotes will split. Say if there's a pack of coyotes that will split off, say, to the left, and the guard dog will follow the coyotes. And while the guard dog is following the first group of coyotes, the other group goes in for the kill. I mean, this is how smart they are. And, you know, when we were shown how to set a trap to try to catch coyotes, they said, you have to wear rubber boots. You have to wear gloves. You can't have any deodorant or any kind of odor that they can detect. Uh, you can't even reuse a trap that's actually killed a coyote because in animals as well as humans, uh, the protein smell off of a person or an animal is different between when they are alive and when they're dead. Obviously, you can't make any sound if, if you're going to actually be there when you're trying to trap. Even the very wire used for the snare, they kind of uh, spray paint in, in a camo color. In other words, snare to be effective has to be really, really good, really deceptive to otherwise get a very keen and, and careful animal in the middle of that trap. And Jesus says, dissipation, drunkenness, and cares of this life are a snare, and you're going to get caught uh, in just a lack of spiritual awareness. Now, what do people do when they don't want to stay awake? I mean, staying awake is harder because you have to walk with the Lord every day of your life. The substitute for being spiritually awake offered to Christians, and this has been offered to Christians for century after century after century, is date setting for the time of Christ's return. You know, around the year 1000, as well as around the year 2000, there were all kinds of dates mentioned. The Jehovah's Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists began with false date setting for Christ's return in the 19th century. In fact, the Seventh-day Adventists were, were kind of launched by the date setting by a guy named William Miller, and his predictions for the return of Christ were published in newspapers across the United States. People got on their roofs to have a little head start on their rapture into heaven. Of course, it didn't come. So he said, oh, I was just a year off. So the next year, same date, they did the same thing, and Christ didn't come. I encountered the false predictions of people like Hal Lindsey in the 1970s, author of The Late Great Planet Earth, 
or out at Calvary Chapel, which I was a member of in California. A good friend of mine went speeding across the United States, driving from California back to Florida because he wanted his parents to get ready for the rapture, and he was convinced it was going to happen so soon, he drove just literally as fast as he could across the United States. In 1991, the Gulf War got everybody all stirred up, hinting at dates for Christ's return. Dr. Tim LaHaye, who is the so-called theologian behind the Left Behind series, most of the readers of that series don't know that his predictions were first made in World War I. That's not a typo. I didn't say World War II, World War I. And he says a crisis coming soon and all the events of World War I are because Christ coming is around the corner. And when that didn't happen, it's almost word for word some of his predictions. He just brought forward and republished them under a different time frame in our lifetime and basically republished it, and people don't know it. Uh, this is not what we want to be doing as Christians is to looking at false prophecies. Even in 1994, Father Gobi proclaimed to have received a prophetic message in Mexico City that Jesus would return in glory by the year 2000. He was a false prophet. But as soon as somebody gives out a date, it got everybody's attention. Our attention needs to be sober and awake in the course of our life, looking for the coming of our blessed Lord, Jesus Christ. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 13 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.